Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, June 17th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? It feels like summer kind of slapped me in the face all at once. Suddenly, heat waves just celebrated a Bon Saint Jean Baptiste Day last Friday, Canada Day, coming up right ahead. Did I mention the heat waves? And uh, my desire to consume alcohol and illicit drugs has gone from, oh my God, it's so miserable outside. I need something to focus on to, oh my God, it's awesome outside. This will make it better. Um, so that last one, not much of a change, I guess. But other than that, a lot feels different in these past two weeks since we last spoke. About, yeah. How have you been? Doing well, doing well. I, uh, we had that, that little heat wave here in London last week. And then today, a solid 19 degrees, breezy, <sighs> what? not humid. No clouds in the sky. It was, you couldn't have picked better conditions for a round of golf. It's my first round of golf in five years and like my third round of golf ever. Uh, We did nine holes, played best ball because otherwise I would have been hacking it from the trees, but a really, really enjoyable evening. And now coming back, I'm a little bit burnt out from, uh, and and I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow with a muscle I've never experienced soreness before being sore. Uh, but, but happy to get out on the course and, and happy to be back potting with you, my friend. I hope you had an awesome cottage weekend and an awesome Jean-Baptiste day. Um, I do know I, I did mention that in the previous pod I did. I did try and do uh, two solo pods. One of them ended up in the X-Files and then the other one is up for everyone to listen to. Uh, so go give that a listen. Did my NBA draft winners and losers recap and uh, talked a little bit of Stanley Cup finals, which will be a big storyline today's podcast to kick off the show. The Colorado Avalanche save uh, my work, plenty of, of extra work this week uh, by winning in Tampa Bay and not bringing things back to Denver, Colorado, where you cannot buy a single hotel room this upcoming week, uh, as there is a tournament with nearly uh, 1,500 teams attending uh, in, in the city of Denver and surrounding areas. So thank goodness for that. And uh, congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche for winning the Stanley Cup in the first time in, uh, in 20 years. So I don't know if we want to get there yet. I, I, I guess I already did a good job of transitioning into it. But anything else, Max, from your last couple of weeks that was fantastic that you just want to bring up before we start the show? Uh, spike ball prog- progress is always wonderful to feel. Mm. Uh, coming in, I, the serving especially, like I used to kind of, for fun, try and do a silly volleyball serve where I gave it like a ton of toss and top spin and like really smack it down. But that's just become my consistent first serve now. And that's been amazing. Okay. And even going and from- you've, you've, you've mastered the art of not, because it, it can't go above shoulder height now, right? That's the new rule. Is it? We play by the Jean Mons, um committee selected rules which is <laughs> serves are fine you just can't bounce it back and a pocket's a redo okay so you could send it right over someone's head but my friend did want to ban that rule and i thought 
I think a low serve is much harder to return than a high serve. Yes. Yep. Well, depends how high it is. But if like you're sailing it over me. If it's that high, you have the time to like read it, process it, and run in backwards and get it. Whereas, like, I feel like the low one's way deadlier. All right, so that's the master. I uh, the one I'd been working in the lab on was the fake right-handed shot and the crossover step to backhand it. Mm. Uh, to I like attacking people's non-dominant hand. That's a that's a go-to strategy for me. I think you should um, abandon the backhand and go straight for the left hand. You get your arm yeah. out another good like foot, <laughs> half foot and like attack that angle even better. There you go. All right. That's the next tool in the toolkit on its way. Don't catch sports next door in spike ball. <laughs> All right. That was yeah. good. Good little side tangent. Yeah, there. I think as uh, the summer sports dries up, we'll have to pick a tournament and do a podcast on it. All right. It sounds like a plan. I'm in uh I'm in Ottawa two weekends in July. Maybe you'll have to to stop by for some spike oh. ball in between my frisbee games. Yeah, I mean we have a pro kit here, so you might have to come for that. But oh true, true. Yeah. There's there's a there's a girl on my team um who plays weekly on Wednesdays in a league. She's yeah. got the pro kit set up. Mine is old and old and dusty. It it can't handle it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I, I my normal one went through last summer and it inspired someone in our circle to get the pro kit. Um, they're only here for another month, though, so I don't think I'm going to be able to regress back. Yeah, yeah, have to return. Oh, that means a purchase in the near future or Please. oh, that's all stick it on then. someone else. <laughs> we'll see. I do like to have these things for myself. Um, I guess also new. I'm spending about a thousand dollars on my bike um trying to i'm telling myself that's like one part of a car and i'm getting all my parts new and refurbished <sighs> your facial expression hasn't changed yeah i uh well i need to get new tires for mine soon and so just you scared me with the cost <laughs> oh no that i that's new wheels new tires new gears um new brakes like three other parts i can't think of that's less expensive like, than buying a new bike by about three four hundred i'm okay. keeping the frame right. um and, stonks, and like baby yeah stonks yeah you you could get like a bike from a factory for a bit cheaper that would be way worse or you could get a new bike of that same quality for a few hundred more so if i do some biking in it'll be worthwhile there you go so some spike ball and some cycling to kick off the pod today um due to our zoom time constraints we're going to move along here into the stanley cup finals uh where the tampa bay lightning fall and the dynasty for now is is shattered dynasty obviously usually classified as three in a row but i think you give it to them if it's three championships in four or five years i've always heard three and five yeah maybe that was something they invented in the stanley cup um, or the salary cap era, excuse me. But I have always understood the dynasty to be three and five. Yeah, they, they did it for the Blackhawks. And so I'm sure the Lightning still have that circled as the next objective. Uh, they were right there in it to the very end um, and, and had actually great pressure to score the opening goal of game six, the crowd behind them. But Colorado Avalanche 
you look back, this is a purely dominant Stanley Cup run, 16 and four in the playoffs. They end up uh, with two sweeps and they, uh, they, they did not encounter a ton of resistance. They beat the best goalie on the planet uh, and a couple of other fine goaltenders along the way as well. And uh, they are now stacked in such a position that they could open up a window of their own to, to go on a run here. Kale McCarr, the best defenseman in the league, uh, joins the list with uh, Bobby Orr and the, forgive me, the other name is blanking on me. It's another Hall of Famer in being the only defenseman to win the Conn Smythe and the Norris Trophy in the same season. Uh, pretty remarkable stuff from a kid who's in his early 20s and is on his way to winning. <laughs> Lord knows how many more uh, Norris trophies in his career. And to do that, um, Nathan McKinnon, Eric Johnson, Gabriel Landeskog, guys who have stuck through with this Avalanche organization, they now get their Stanley Cup rings for the first time. And McKinnon, after getting ousted by the Vegas Golden Knights in last year's playoffs, uh, said he hadn't won squat but he used a worse word than me uh, in his career and, and said that's all he was focused on. And you turn around 13 months later and, and here he is lifting the cup. Uh, shout out to our boy Nazem Kadri. Yes. Looked awesome to see him raise Laura Stanley's mug. Really happy for the guy, especially after what he went through in the second round there uh, against the Blues. And that's got to be especially sweet. Hopefully he'll bring it by my place uh, when he brings it back to London. That would be very cool. Um, yeah, so many, so many dudes contributed to this Colorado team, and uh, it's going to turn things back possibly towards team speed as the building block of the future. Obviously, not every team's going to have a Kale McCarr or a Nathan McKinnon, but that certainly helps. And it shows teams that you maybe don't need a Carey Price, an Andre Vasilevsky, a Marc Andre Fleury to win a Stanley Cup. Darcy Kemper all-star level goalie, really solid, but maybe not in the same tier as those guys, was really solid and, and got the job done and made key saves when they needed him to. Uh, great sliding one-timer save on Kucherov uh, late in the first period to, to keep it a one-goal game. And uh, he did a great job there. And then, yeah, that team speed, lines one through four for Colorado, and even the defensemen love jumping up. Really, really offensively talented team that could attack you over and over, wave after wave of, of speed. And that was something that the Penguins had in their two cup runs uh, and, and a bit of what Tampa has had the last couple of years. But really, this Colorado team took it to another level with, uh, with the, the skating and the footwork and the speed of this team. And that's what a lot of GMs will be taking away. And I imagine that's what the Leafs GM will be taking away because you see the pieces in place for the Leafs to have a similar team. They obviously don't have Kale McCarr. And I would say Austin Matthews is in the McKinnon realm. But uh, you're looking for maybe a little bit more speed and production out of your bottom six forwards. Uh, they, they got some good production from a Valerie Nichushkin, uh, from a JT Comfer, from an Arturi Lekkinen. And, and I think that is a piece that the Leafs are missing this time around. I think the one thing I want to add, um, what you pegged my mind as saying, is when you talk about Landeskog, Duchesne, or excuse me, not Duchesne, Johnson, McKinnon, these guys who were drafted high, who had their, thought it was their moment, like you 
this young talent comes in, they show up, and then it doesn't all click, it doesn't all roll. Them sticking with the franchise is what has led to this. I talked about that multiple times with the Tampa Bay Lightning, how the window opened when Stamkos and Hedman were drafted at the end of the 2000s decade. Um, this is the same thing. We're seeing a slightly later drafting period, but a similar long-term investment coming through. I just hope the Leafs management and young core we've drafted are paying attention to that. You would hope so. You would hope so. The other storyline that came out of this finals that uh, ended up drawing a lot of ire from, from fans was the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that loved to play in the dirt, uh, loved to play with an edge, they come out looking a bit like whiners at the end of this series. A lot of complaining about the refs, a lot of uh, inappropriate and childish behavior in between whistles. There's always going to be extracurricular activity, but last night after the McKinnon one-timer goal, Patrick Maroon skated by Manson and hit him and then basically like two-hand broadsword slashed him in the ankle. Uh, <laughs> no call there. And Stamkos then fired the puck at the ref who didn't see it um, and, and would have been another penalty there. Just the moments and John Cooper complained about the overtime goal. You're going to get that from every coach. So I wouldn't, wouldn't peg that as a specific whining instance, but for a team that's won back-to-back cups and been on the favorable side of a lot of calls and gotten away with a lot of uh, outside the lines uh, activities and moments it, it was a little bit frustrating and, and humorous for some fans to see the lightning be on the other end of it and, and complain quite, quite frequently. Uh, you do feel bad for Corey Perry, despite him playing as someone you, you love to hate. finals curse, eh? Uh, yeah, he, uh, he went to ring chase and ended Seven. up on the wrong side. Yep, three in a row. Three in a- Dallas, Montreal, and Tampa. Luckily, he does have one with Anaheim, but uh, that's got to really hurt for him near the end of his career. Catch him signing with the Avalanche next season. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, honestly, let's just take him in Toronto. Yeah, I, I'd then, take a final. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, it wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt. <laughs> So we look ahead in the NHL now to the draft coming up in a short amount of time here. Um, haven't dug into it as much as I would have liked to uh, compared to last year. And, and we'll see um, if anyone manages to take Shane Wright's spot here, number one, but the Montreal Canadiens with the first overall pick, that'll be an event there, Max. Maybe, maybe you can try and swing down, swing by the draft. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's uh <sighs> So many of those picks, right? McDavid to Edmonton, Matthews to Toronto. This feels in a similar vein. Mm. Just Could be. fortuitous Could be. timing. Yeah, I hope. I mean, I hope Shane Wright has a great career, but I hope it's a average first four years on his entry-level deal and somehow he finds his way to uh, another team and then plays really well. That would be my, my preference. Yes, I'd second that. <laughs> Awesome. All right. That's going to do it for talking hockey here. We're moving into basketball storylines and I already talked about the draft and I already talked about uh, some of my takeaways from the NBA finals, but we do have something new today on the show. 
a fan submitted question here, uh, first ever on Sports Next Door, and a fun little topic for us to chat about here um, in basketball storylines as we head towards the offseason. Free agency starts very shortly, and there's lots of juicy storylines to cover, which may be part of our answer here. Uh, but Max, the fan submitted question reads as follows. What NBA drama storyline of this past season have you enjoyed the most? And also, do you have a prediction of what the juiciest storyline of this coming offseason free agency will be? So I, I think we might double back on at least one drama storyline of the past season. Um, but I'm selecting for my answer the continual fall in expectations of the Lakers franchise to an out-of-playoff contending team, mostly just because they were placed so egregiously high in the preseason um, ranking. If they had gone from where we had ranked them as like a number five, number six team to out of the playoffs, it wouldn't have nearly been so juicy. Um, but going from like this behemoth of a team with such a terrifying big three, that's definitely going to work um, to where to not making the playoffs was just delicious. And every part of that from LeBron's deleted posts to the Westbrook comments um, to the continual rear view hindsight questioning of has Anthony Davis ever played a full season or ever succeeded not as second fiddle? Uh, there was a lot of stuff there to looking at just another explosion of assets um, LeBron has inflicted on a team. All of that was, and it couldn't happen to a nicer, bigger, juicier franchise, right? So that's my answer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, trading for Russell Westbrook, who Many people tried their best to figure out what the positives of that fit was going to be, but hesitant from the start. They trade him for all of the necessary role players they would have needed to have a great team this year. Unfortunate injuries to LeBron and AD um, caused them to miss out on, on the opportunity of playing all three of those guys together, but really, really bad and no bench depth and, uh, the West is a lot stronger, I think, than they had anticipated. And uh, yeah, just so sweet, so juicy that that they tried to make that big move and it, it blew up right in their face. And now they're trying to offload his contract to anyone that'll take him. Uh, Westbrook plus two first round picks for Kyrie Irving, question mark. <laughs> we'll get there soon. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that I... feeds into my juiciest storyline there. It's the Brooklyn Nets, and it has always been the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Ben Simmons drama is right there, 1B, uh, but it, it became tiresome in the marathon of the same thing being said over and over again. And obviously, the mental health component was tricky to navigate around as well um, and just became not so fun to talk about. But the Brooklyn Nets never disappointed <laughs> with, with their entertainment. Kyrie Irving, of course, with the no vaccination, only playing in home games and uh, spewing his rhetoric to the world and, and his perspective and pulling a lot of people onto his side and, and leading to some very interesting conversations throughout the NBA and political landscape. 
And then you have James Harden, who uh, ate his way out of Houston after not wanting to be there. Um, very exciting to look forward to seeing him play. And then he, uh, he shows up. Kyrie Irving's only playing half the games. KD gets hurt fairly early on in the season, and he gives up being the, the alpha dog and says, no, I'm going to eat my way out of Brooklyn as well. And uh, we'll only go to Philadelphia where sweet, sweet Daryl Morey will caress him, give him smooches on the forehand and tell him he's special, even uh, even when he's not nearly operating at the offensive specimen he once was. And then to top it all off, Kevin Durant, excellent, excellent season, but he is always firing barbs on social media, loves going after people, loves taking it online and uh, yeah, really, really entertaining team. And we've only seemed to just begun with them now having Ben Simmons on the team, which you keep forgetting about, but could it be a Kyrie Irving move? He just accepted his, his option today, which actually makes it easier for the Nets to trade him because, or makes it easier for him to land on the team of his choice because some, a lot of these, uh, franchises he wants to go to don't have the cap space, but now with him under salary easier to flip, make the trade rather than adding him. They can't add him, but they can trade a piece to bring him in. So for the Lakers, it's a Russell Westbrook. I don't think it'll happen, but you never know with this league. Um, With the Knicks, it's a combination of Fournier, Derek Rose, maybe Julius Randle to get Kyrie in there. Uh, And then maybe you're looking at a smaller market team making a splash, but I don't I don't know anyone who would touch Kyrie with a 10 foot pole unless you are quite desperate. And that's where, that's where the Lakers sit right now. (laughs) And just so fascinating to see what's going to happen. And does that mean Kevin Durant moves on? And then next year we have the Brooklyn Nets with peak, uh, peak NBA analytics fandom and desire of Ben Simmons with a bunch of role players. We'll finally get to see that Ben Simmons with spacing question mark. Could he be LeBron James? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets, man. What a what a story. What a what drama. And they might honestly get they should get their own show next year. I, I think I would pay to tune in, like how the NFL does hard knocks. I think uh, it'd be perfect for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, you've 100 percent landed on my pick for juiciest offseason free agency story. Um Though I don't know if this show that you're envisioning could really unfold because it seems like there's a really good chance there's no Kyrie Irving and no Kevin Durant on this Nets team uh, come the start of next season. Uh, so wild. I, the tea that I was constantly hearing over the past few days was does Kyrie uh, decline his player option and then sign a mid-level exemption with the Lakers to sneak the cap space, but with opting in for the option. If anyone was going to do it, it would be Kyrie. I know. Like if anyone was going to say, fuck the 30 million, this is about basketball. Like most, most people would listen to the sober second opinion of an agent, a family member, someone to tell them not to. Um, There's no such obstacle in his way. So I, I didn't doubt it was totally possible, but he lost too much money sitting out this year. He's got to get it back. Yeah. Uh, no Nike deal incoming for him either. And it this does 
because what people were saying was Kyrie signs somewhere and then KD forces his way into a trade there. I don't see how you manage to package Kyrie and KD together. Yeah. That like. No, that's, that's not feasible. Yeah. You like, you can ask a franchise to give up literally everything. Um, but that franchise having seen exactly what just happened with the Nets would have to be out of their minds to do it. The, the scenario that is most likely for Kyrie is either a sign and trade that has assets. Somehow the Lakers get him for Westbrook. The Knicks get him for Randall. Uh, the Clippers get him for a Norman Powell, Reggie Jackson type Um that's that those are kind of the big players there i don't know if you'd see yeah i can't really picture anyone else jumping in on that and then the other way is a three-team trade where again one of those teams is packaging their big contract with a ton of picks um the lakers don't have a ton of those but it's possible and then the team is sending the uh the add up of assets as well, contract wise to the nets, although they don't have to get as much salary in the off season to make it work. And then of course, Kyrie going uh, to that team that is making the move to get him. That is possible. Uh, now that he has accepted his, his and opted into the contract, those are basically the only two ways of making it work. Uh, I just, uh, it, yeah, he's going to go somewhere. And so I'm just so intrigued to see about where it could end up because uh, it, it seems like he was granted approval to seek a sign and trade about where he wants to go. Yeah. Whereas if I'm the Nets, I'm just sending him to the place that makes the most sense for me asset wise, because they have to recruit, they have to recoup the, uh, <laughs> the endless amount of picks they gave away to, to get hard. Yes. So, um, the Houston Rockets may become the first team to ever hang a player's jersey in their rafters who never played for their team. Um, <laughs> we're getting close here on my two favorite final closing notes, which is how the hell did the Nets fuck this up again? <laughs> they're, they're about to go make another Boston Celtics team. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, the, like you mess up a massive trade deal that badly once and create a super franchise and less than 10 years later you've done it again um that of course is conditional on kevin durant leaving the franchise in time for those picks uh, which is it's fun to dunk on Kyrie, but only for about no pun intended um only for a short while because you just can't understand him. Whereas Dirk KD is a much more human and that much easier to mock. Type. Yeah. Everyone gets insecure. Like that, that's why it's so fun. You like you and I getting the target on our back and all the stuff, we would react the same way. It's just most superstars somewhere along the process acquire some sort of mental stability and maturity to not, he constantly lashing back out on Twitter. Uh, whereas this move, getting away from Golden State, trying to show he can be the own his own leader, um, doesn't need those guys to win a ring, has just backfired so spectacularly in the year that Golden State goes and wins it again without him. Um, I think that's the 
final scene I want to close my version of this story on. I don't know if you have any last notes on this beautiful carnage. So my last thing is, what is your favorite KD team if he did go? Where do you want to see him land? You know, I, I heard someone say the Blazers, and that yeah. that is probably the best timeline that could come <laughs> out of this. Uh, Dame gets a ring, and KD doesn't go and make another super team. I could see him end up in Atlanta. Would be a fun one. Him and mm. Trey Young. <laughs> Um, I'm just not sure Atlanta has the top tier assets to get it done. Memphis would be an awesome one to have him. And they have four or five guys plus picks to possibly put that together. I just don't know if KD would want to be in Memphis. Um, the ultimate villain story would be a return to Golden State. Stop. Stop. <laughs> and no. Oh my gosh. No more. You just right off the season there. Um And I guess one more kind of intriguing one would be, of course, the Portland Trailblazers, but that's kind of the, or the Clippers moving off of Leonard or George. Okay. Yeah. If they got rid of one of those two, um, which I guess they'd probably have to, I just don't trust KD to not try and be on a team with both of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Unreal, unreal stuff. Uh, some honorable mentions for juicy drama, the Morris brothers versus the Jokic brothers <laughs> and Nikola Jokic dumpstering one of the Morris brothers early in the season. The Miami heat have now drafted Nikola Jovic with the 27th pick uh, 610 forward from Serbia, who will now get to play with one of the Morris brothers. <laughs> I think that's funny. They have their great experiences with big Serbian men. And then the uh, other honorable mentions, Bradley Beal, of course, opting out of his player option to sign a max deal potentially with the Washington Wizards, the Wizards, another team uh, like Sacramento, like the Nets. How are they going to make another terrible mistake? I just, Bradley Beal is not worth the money or the term. He's an incredible player. He's going to be perfect as the best section, second option on a team, but the wizards it's not it's not the time to do this and invest all this money uh unless you are looking to ship him somewhere because just in terms of asset management you're going to be uh hamstring by the 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 salary and he doesn't fit the young players that they're starting to bring in so be interesting to see what they do with that and then of course the donovan mitchell where will he land uh, New York potential landing spot, just the drama between him and Gobert. Somehow Utah has continued to keep it under wraps, but he just feels like the next uh, disgruntled superstar to move as well. And so my eyes are on him coming up here in, in free agency and what could possibly happen there. He's not unrestricted, but because I, I think he's got one more year left, but they might try to move off of him to get some value. Um, before he ends up choosing to go somewhere else. The sentiment coming out of this past playoff run was one or him, one of him or Gobert has to go, and they value Gobert's defensive uniqueness highly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it it has it has really dialed down, but I, I think that that situation just looks untenable. 
yeah, different organizations handle it differently. The Nets are very clearly very fond of leaking in advance, as we saw with the Harden stuff and we've seen with the Kyrie stuff. Um, other organizations are going to handle it a bit more professionally, dare I say. Um, Perhaps. Another, my second place nomination actually would have gone to DeAndre Ayton just because of and where he's going to end up what's going to happen there just because of how good of a team the Suns have been this past year and a half and um, I think how under spoken his contribution and presence has been to that and um, how spectacular it would be if they let that slip through their fingers mm-hmm. yeah uh, it feels like he's a just he's on the move we just don't know where and it feels like likely he'll end up on one of the bottom feeders of the league for now, but could be a piece that along with a, a top draft pick uh, could, could turn one of those bottom seeded teams around. Yeah. Interesting to see where he will land. It's a great question. Thank you to uh, the beautiful fan who submitted it. You know who you are. And uh, that'll wrap us up for basketball storylines here as uh, we look ahead to free agency just over the horizon. And uh, we'll wrap up here with a a little bit of tennis talk. I know, Max, there's Wimbledon hype also in the near future and uh, just uh, some action. I I was missing you because Bianca went all the way to a final and uh, unfortunately lost, but I I needed you here for my updates, buddy. Uh, I thought you were covering the WTNA and I was covering in the ATP. Oh, but I see. I see. Maybe that's what we can do here as the biggest tennis tournament in the world is happening as we speak. Day one of Wimbledon got underway today. Um, I know on the ATP side of things that the top half of the men's draw has been played through without any real surprises or controversies. Um, I guess going back a few days, I was a bit surprised at uh, a couple names missing from the top seeding pool Daniel Medvedev I think there must have been an injury there uh, I'd forgotten about Zverev's injury during the French and then remembered he of course wouldn't be playing uh, but with the two of them out the top feels a little less heavy kind of crazy to see Novak and Rafa ranked number one number two in a grand slam again uh, been a minute since that happened um, but Novak definitely the main player a lot of eyes on Carlos Alcaraz as has been the case this year to see what he can do I haven't heard much about his grass season yet so if he's played any tournaments it's been quiet but I think he's just been preparing Matteo Berrettini of course a huge name finalist last year probably the biggest serve on the tour one of the biggest forehands as well Um, his style lends itself great to grass so definitely a favorite to go all the way but you I don't know where to rank Rafa with the year he's had Um, the man of surely he can't has become of course he did Uh, grass a different animal than clay but he was spectacular on hard court early in the year he's won Wimbledon before Um, so it's really just a question of the injury being kept down 
and uh, momentum. The, the biggest storyline, as per usual, the Grand Slam count. If Novak wants to even the score by the end of the year, he's got to have this one. Um, even the score ever, really, because without this, it's going to be really hard. There is one of our last remaining bets from the year that still has some plausibility on the line, this Wimbledon. And uh, lastly, to, just to quickly touch on our Canadians, a uh, bit of disappointment again from Chapo, no deep runs. Felix did a little better, um, but he played a few less than Dennis. Uh, Chapo had his best result ever at a Grand Slam last year. Uh, Felix just one or two rounds short of that. So thoughts and prayers to our boys in red Feeling and good white. Feeling good about this one. Feeling good Sorry. about this one. Our boys in white, just our boys in white, not our boys in red and white. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the strawberries and cream. That's the red and white. Mm, right. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait for that. Always a good time. And that's all the tennis talk I've got. We've got three minutes, though. All right. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you haven't seen that, give that a go. Really, really fun series. Um, and if you haven't golfed before, give golfing a try. You'll probably hate it. But <laughs> <laughs> you go with the right people, then it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm already starting to feel a little sore in the arms. I, I do a lot of extra movement in my swing so probably a lot more tiring for me it took us two hours to do nine holes so that says anything about my golf game it doesn't to me but i'm sure it does to someone uh the new alexis on fire album is everything it was supposed to be otherness they're in uh, st catherine's this weekend yeah i'm so upset that they decided to put on an amazing festival um during the busiest moving weekend in montreal but that's life and i'll get to see them in two and a half weeks so Oh, there you go. Um, if you can make it, that's an incredible lineup. Like Alexis on fire is playing it. Billy Talon's playing it. Cleopatrick, who I've talked about. Dallas is going to be playing some solo stuff. Like all yeah. the best Canadian rock music has to offer. I cannot plug that enough. Uh, St. Catherine's Montebello. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, with that weekend recommendation out of the way, we'll wrap up the show here. Thanks everyone for listening, especially to the fan who submitted the question. Um, anyone can do that. Personal texts work, uh, message to the Instagram page. I don't know how in use the Twitter account is these days, so maybe don't go with that one. Um, but thanks. We appreciate everyone who's listened. Sports Next Door signing out.